What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. This is episode 13, Lucky Number, and I'm Bruce, and I'm joined by Nolan. What's up, my man? Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Not too bad, but I mean, if you hear uh, the windows shake or something like that, it could be the hurricane slash tropical storm that's uh, paying us a visit, but we've done well so far, and we definitely want to send our... uh, Thoughts and prayers out to those in the um, in the Bahamas. It's a, a terrible situation there. Hopefully, a lot of you out there will send some donations or something to that effect their way. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's crazy what happened there, but I'm glad it's uh, not as bad as initially projected for you down in Jacks. Yeah, man, we've been very, very fortunate and very lucky. So we count our blessings this time. But moving on to the Dave Matthews Band, we have, I believe, four shows to discuss this week. One of them was out in Utah, and we will get to that in a moment. But we want to tell you something that you'll be hearing here in a little bit, and it is the one of the more exclusive access moments that you will have to the Gorge, especially for night two and night three of this year that I think anyone will have anywhere. Nolan, how surprised should these people be about what we're about to give them? Oh, gosh. Well, if they follow us on our social media, then uh, they've seen a little bit of a taste of our Gorge correspondent and his access this past weekend. And it is an insane story, one that every fan of like any band would dream of having. Gosh, I am jealous of him. It is amazing. So please, once we get through this Utah show... Very quickly, uh, we're going to jump in to Gorge, so do not go anywhere. This is the episode for you if you're a Gorge fan. Oh yeah, absolutely, and if you're not following us on social media, shame on you. Follow us anywhere, pretty much, at Gray Street Pod, Twitter, Instagram especially, and you can interact with us on Facebook. But yes, as Nolan said, we've got a show to get to before we hike on up to George, Washington, and that was down in Utah. Last week, as they made their West Coast trek, Nolan, they started the show pretty in a pretty good fashion. I mean, their fifth ever anyone seen the bridge too much opener. That's always a great way to start the show. Yeah, we've mentioned the anyone seen the bridge into too much opener a few times now this summer, and uh, the band's definitely enjoying it as a way to start things off. And I I think it's a pretty cool thing to do. Um, pretty creative uh, by Dave. So. That was uh, That's unique. Um, another unique little fun fact for you. Uh, Write a Song was played, and it debuted here in Utah in 2010. Mm-hmm. And Bruce, um, so, you know, the song's nine years old. Wow, hard to believe. How many times do you think it's been played? Oh, I mean, not enough is my answer. <laughs> uh, you guessed correctly. It has been played <laughs> 37 times. Wow. Um, which, uh, 37 times in nine years, that is so low. Um, but you know what is even crazier than that? That is still more times than Spoon has been played. And Spoon has been what? around since 1998. <laughs> no way. Yes way. That's that's absurd. That is, that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> that is ridiculous. And fun fact about this 
write a song that debuted here. Um, there was a young lady that was continuously calling for write a song back in 2010, and she was going to almost every show. I think a lot of people know her, um, but she was not at this show when it debuted and then was at another show where Dave played it later, which made, a, I think, a warehouse disc, and you can hear Dave apologize to this young lady for her not being there and for him playing it the night that she was not there and then they oh, played wow. it at the gorge um but anyways you know we were talking That's about dedication. embarrassing oh yeah exactly i mean it was she went to something like 40 some shows i think that year uh so her mm. show count in 2010 was almost our all-time show count Sheesh. but i know <laughs> But back to the word that uh, we used that was embarrassing, and that was uh, Smooth Rider, which made its uh, second appearance of the year there in Utah, and woof. (sighs) Yeah. Whatever. You know, it didn't make its appearance at the Gorge, which was very, very surprising. And I guess speaking Mm -hmm. of the Gorge, sorry, Utah, but we're going to move on. You weren't... Yeah, see you Anything later. Anything much, yeah, much more that we can uh, talk about there. Just, you know, a solid show. And night one of the Gorge, welcome back. I mean, we are, were having FOMO big time. But we, I mean, thanks to all the social media accounts that were keeping us feeling like we were almost there. Um, oh, it was they amazing. Were doing a great job covering it. And, I mean, Nolan, there's not much better way to start a Gorge weekend than the way that they started it. Seek Up opener, first of the tour, and I think it might be their best song right now. What do you think? Ooh, that's a good debate. I think we could uh, have a whole podcast on what the best song of the tour is, but you know what? I might agree with you, so the podcast would be very, very short. Very short, except we would just play Seek Up in its entirety, and then that'd be (laughs) 20 minutes right there. Which is a good 20 minutes, especially right now. Um but an interesting fact about this version is that Buddy actually nixed his piano sound uh, for this one for that more key-heavy. Um, I'm not sure the exact terminology for all of the ones that he uses. I just call it the keys. Um, but it's definitely a different sound. It was not that grand piano um, on this version. But it was still good. I mean, it's solo was still solid. I've still liked Buddy on the piano a little bit more. But, hey, you know, whatever. But this, uh, I mean, Seek Up Opener, like you said, first of the tour, there's not too many better ways to open a DMB show. As you start easing into night one here, we move kind of on down the set list to something that's a liberation, a tour debut, a liberation, something we haven't seen since 2015. And that's the second away from the world tune of the tour, Drunken Soldier. Nolan, what gives? Hey, I don't know what gives, but I'm glad it's back. I have always liked this song. I thought it was strong on the album and was one of my favorites to listen to. Um, no idea what uh, what happened with this one, much like every other Away From The World song. I don't know, man. It's yeah. I think it's good and, um, you know, very different, unique parts of the song. You know, maybe the most noticeable change is uh, a change in the lyric. Um, where Dave now says, waste no time trying to be something you're not. And I thought this was a good version. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they've got to do a little bit of some changes here without Boyd playing. Uh, The intro was a little different with Dave's guitar riff. He threw something a little different in there. Uh, Boyd's part is now covered by the horns. Like you said, there's a new lyric change there in the chorus, which is kind of 
odd. You know, what? why, why would Dave do that? Um, and so why don't we go ahead and play you guys the you know, the tour debut, the liberation of Drunken Soldier in these chunks that we found things that were interesting. So uh, here you go. stuff from the band right there especially after a liberation of uh four years so always impressed by this band and i'll mention before drunken soldier they played crush and then after soldier they go kill the preacher why i am the maker don't drink the water that is a strong run then uh take a little breather sister followed by dancing nancy's and ooh, the last stop making an appearance at the gorge again Although truncated, you know, still uh, still made an appearance. Yeah, which is, <sighs> you know, we missed that outro, and I hope that it's not dead. I don't think it's dead. I think it'll come back eventually at bad. some point, but it does kind of stink. Yeah, I, I think it does sting, you know, for now. And, you know, pretty standard end to the rest of the set, but the encore Ooh. is pretty cool with I'll Back You Up, which is great the only other time it's played this tour was night two of west palm and then two-step and this is not your or this is not your regular 2019 two-step ladies and gentlemen okay this is two-step 2019 on steroids we're talking 
full, well, maybe not full jam. We're talking a jam. We're talking extended, you know, a new ending jam, something that they haven't done before. This sounded like it was almost improvised there on the spot where they didn't quite, they weren't quite ready to go into the next song. And they were just like, oh, let's see where this goes. And they came up with something. Nolan, this is really freaking cool. You texted me about this today because I think you heard it and you were like, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see uh, Two-Step in uh, Charlottesville in December, and it was the shortened version straight into Halloween. And I'll take Two-Step any way I can get it. But this version is very strong. And, you know, it's not back to where it was in, like, like 2006, in that era where it was like every time you saw Two-Step, that version was better than the last. Like, it was the all-time best version. Mm -hmm. This is not quite on that level, but, I mean, they jam it out, and it's it's pretty extended. Oh, yeah, and I think, you know, this is closer to a 10-minute-ish version of Two-Step, and so we're going to go ahead and play this uh, for you guys, and we're going to go ahead and let you listen to the transition as it goes right into Pentala Nagapampa.
that was a pretty cool transition there. The jam uh, kind of fades away and goes straight into Pantelanago Pampa into Rapunzel. Um, pretty unique encore there and a cool way to end uh, night one. And you know what? Let's hear it from someone who was actually there, Greg Vogler, checking in with a night one review. Hey, guys. Love the pod. And uh, just wanted to give a quick recap of night one. And uh, what a great way to start the weekend and the show with a seek up opener. Uh, everyone was locked in right from the beginning. Uh, Stefan's level sounded a little up to me, which was awesome. Uh, and that continued for uh, really the entire show. Uh, Come Tomorrow is next. Uh, not my favorite song, but don't sleep on Jeff's solo at the end. Pretty good. Uh, Drunken Soldier was a really nice liberation. Love the intro. But I'd say the highlight for me was the encore. Just a beautiful, I'll back you up in the E1 spot into a killer two-step PMP Rapunzel. And two-step had the outro, which I had missed in a couple of the earlier shows I saw this year. Tim and Buddy had a really great back and forth. And then, I mean, Carter at the end of that song, pure perfection. Uh, overall, great start to the weekend. Good energy. Carter and Stefan really locked in the entire night. Uh, and if I could end by giving a quick shout out uh, to my little brother, Nate, and his amazing wife, Elise. They were supposed to be here this weekend, but unfortunately, they could not come mainly because he's finishing up his PhD in neuroscience from Pitt. He's going to graduate in December. So I just wanted to say we miss you guys. Wish you were here. But congrats. Love you, bro. And thanks, Greg, for that. That's awesome. We really appreciate those, everybody. So for the remaining shows, if any of you guys are out there and going, just do what Greg did. It's awesome. And now, here comes the big show. We would like to bring in a very special guest, our impromptu Gorge correspondent. Nolan, why don't you introduce him to the audience? Listeners, if you don't know him by now, you will after this segment. His name is Alex Day, my good friend, my Elon guy, my club baseball guy, my Duke guy, my guy in general. My Yankees guy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Throw in the Yanks too. Savages. So Alex, we go way back. We have attended Dave Matthews Band concerts together, um, but you had an experience uh, during Labor Dave weekend uh, in Washington State that is probably one of the greatest weekends of all time and uh why don't you start it start by telling everyone what happened on friday in seattle yeah well first of all thanks boys for having me um i'm a i'm a big fan of the show and as as noel said we do go way back so i appreciate that introduction so we went out there on wednesday for the week and uh, we as in me and my girlfriend hannah we got out there wednesday and you know, it was both of our first times in the Pacific Northwest. So we kind of wanted to make it a full week. So our plan originally was to spend three days in Seattle, one day camping, and then just go to night three at Gorge because we figured we'd be back. And when we'd come back, we'd hit all three shows. But we wanted to have somewhat of a vacation as well. Um, and to say that plan changed <laughs> would be an understatement. Um, <laughs> so our plan was to rent a car Saturday morning. But on Friday, we were walking from our Airbnb to lunch and walked past a Nike store in downtown Seattle. And like many of us do, it was a cool looking Nike store. We decided <laughs> to pop in there and, you know, yeah, for 11. Stop. No, you can't stop. And for 1130 <laughs> a.m. on a Friday, 
not many people are in a Nike store. So we walk in there, we go upstairs. This place is like empty. We're talking only a couple people there. And I'm <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at a couple pairs of shoes and you know, I'm like is that Carter Beaufort sitting down but next to me, behind me? Like I like I'm pretty sure. And you know, you have to be pretty sure to say something because you don't want to be that guy to right. think, think it's someone and then they're not them. So I'm like, oh, I'm listening. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Carter. The Nike worker, I guess, who was working there, did not know who Carter was and asked, oh, are you uh. living in, do you live in Seattle? And, yes, and Carter goes, no, no, I'm just staying in Seattle. And then heading out to the gorge in about an hour or so. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, jackpot, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's, uh, yeah, so Carter, it was Carter and another woman. And once he was wrapping up with, he, he got, I believe, maybe two or three pairs of shoes. I just turned around and just, I don't know, like word vomit almost. I just said, Carter? And, you know, there was no one in the store and I just, you know, calmly said it and he perked right up, huge smile, stood up, goes, hey, what's up, man? And introduced himself and I introduced myself. And next thing you know, us four, me, my girlfriend, uh, Carter and his fiance, were standing there in the Nike store for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes talking, like just they're asking us tons of questions, curious about, like, we live in New York City, so where we live, what we do for work, all these questions. Super interested to a point where, like, you know, they were more interested in what we do than, I mean, think about how many questions I have for Carter Boat, you know? it's Yeah. It's, he's the man. Um, and, you know, we didn't ask for a picture. We didn't ask for an autograph or anything. And I, I think, I think him and his fiance really appreciated that. And then towards the end of the conversation, he goes, Hey, I know you're only planning on going night three. If you want to also come out for night two, because at that point he knew that we would have no chance of getting there for night one. So if you want to come out for night two, we got you. You're with us this weekend. Leave the checkbook at home. That's what he said. <laughs> Which is all that's like such an old fashioned question. I was like, leave the checkbook at home. Are you kidding me? You know, how old? I mean, how old over under 60 do you have to be to say, leave the checkbook at home? Well, that would be a push because he is exactly 60. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So, you know, we, we kind of went into that not freaking out. And during the conversation, it was very chill. But then after they left, they're going straight to the tour bus. We were kind of freaking out, like, holy crap, like, what what just happened? You know, like, <laughs> what what was that? That was, like a, that was like a blur. It was a dream. Yes. You're with us this weekend. You know, what could that possibly mean? So we, we didn't fully exchange contact information. He said, um, well, his fiance goes, get together for a picture. I'll take it. I'll text you guys the photo, and that's how we'll be in touch for the weekend. So she she took a picture of us three, and this was actually pretty funny. And this was actually when I called you, Knowles, to tell you about this. Yes. We didn't get her information. And normally, if someone takes a picture, 
I don't know. I just kind of feel like they would text the picture right after they would take it. I don't know. That's just what I would do. So about an hour and a half passed by and she hadn't texted the picture. So I'm like, I, you know, I don't really care about the picture, but it's like, is she going to follow through with, with this, you know, kind of yeah. broad offer? Like, are we about to have a crazy weekend or are they going to forget about it? Turns out that they just didn't have great service in the tour bus going out to the gorge. So she texted oh, us about, oh, wow, red light, yeah. get on that. Yeah, she texted us about like two hours later, and honestly, we were just relieved because we kind of had a pit in our stomach, like, oh, do we just let this opportunity go to waste by not getting her information? You were sweating it. Oh, I was sweating hard. I was sweating hard. So Saturday morning, we did our hikes. We went out to the gorge when we were initially supposed to stay at a ho hotel Saturday night and then camp after the show for night three. Got a full refund back on the hotel, which was clutch, and set up our campsite at the Gorge for night two, <laughs> and showed up to Will Call, no ticket, with no plan or anything, just, all right, you know, let's let's ride, let's see what happens, and there, get the envelope under my name, and there were two tickets, two badges, and two dinner slips. <laughs> Most importantly. Yeah, most importantly, of course. So we started definitely uh, definitely bugging out a little bit for sure. And we bypassed the huge ticket line to get in there. Strut on into the gorge. And then we got a text <laughs> saying, um, once you guys get to this tent, give, give, us, give me a call. I'll meet you guys. And sure enough, his fiance met up with us and... And actually another couple as well, friends of theirs. So we had dinner before the show, like almost to the side of the stage, but kind of behind the stage, but like right on the cliff of the gorge. So just a gorgeous view. And it was a dinner for friends and family. And we're like, you know, what are we doing here? Like, this is insane. <laughs> okay. So friends and family, but no band members were in there. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. That's, That's cool. Correct. And, uh, you know, skipping ahead, actually on night three, uh, Buddy was actually walking around during that, but but yeah, no one else in the oh. band was could could be found during that time. I think they right, ate right. before, and this was probably at like six thirty. Yeah, the, yeah, this was at six thirty, so they went on at like eight fifteen. So it's yeah, it's pretty close to show time. Probably warming up. Yeah, so we go, you know, we finish eating, and you know, we assume, all right, like you know, these are these are pretty sick seats that we were given head on over to our seats and we wrap up eating and she goes, all right, you ready? And like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I, I, I ready for what? I don't know. And next thing you know, we walked right on backstage and to say our jaws hit the floor <laughs> would be, uh, would be selling it short for sure. Oh my gosh. I hate you. Oh yeah. Man. It was pretty That's crazy. It was pretty crazy. There, besides for people working there, there were only, um, it was us two, the other couple, and then five, six other people. Wow. Uh, so it was. That is awesome. There were not, not a lot of people, and we were there for about 10, 15 minutes, and then the band came on, and they probably walked like, I don't know, you know three feet past us. <laughs> oh. Oh, also, I'll just get this out of the way. I did not meet anyone else in the band uh, throughout <laughs> the weekend. That's okay. But 
I did meet Warren Haynes, who after Cortez on night two came off the stage and stood there for the next song. And I shook his hand and said, you know, big fan, whatever. And then for five seconds, then we just both carried on. But that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is is so awesome. So how Um, did you set up backstage? Yeah. How were you able to listen to the show or tell, tell us about that experience? Where we were, it was basically, it was the side of the stage. It was on the side where, um, where Jeff and Ross are. So we're, we're right by the horns. And, you know, again, this is something I would have never known unless this crazy experience. But with the speakers, you can't really hear that much. I mean, you can hear Dave, but you really can't hear guitar. You can't hear basically all the in- intricacies of what makes the band so great live because all the speakers mm-hmm. are facing out. So, mm-hmm. so we had headphones where it was it was basically like being in a recording studio with them. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. So it was the mic feed from every instrument you could hear every note that Tim was playing, every, you know, every little hi-hat with Carter, everything. So that was it was crazy. It was like listening into a recording session. So what what I did for most of the weekend was have the headphone on one ear and then off on the other ear so I could hear the crowd noise and still, you know, try to have a, like a, a live Dave experience like normal because, you know, the crowd is one of the best parts of the show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And for those that don't know, what he's talking about is he is actually getting to hear basically what Dave and the band hears. He is having his own IEM or in-ear monitor um, yep. and those have been recorded for years. They stopped years and years ago and are technically illegal to have. So what Alex was getting to hear is the rarest of the rare form of the band. And (laughs) to say that we're jealous is an understatement because not only is he getting the clearest feed of the music, he's getting to hear them, I believe, speak to each other while on the stage as well. Is that right? That is correct. And that that, that was, I would say... That was one of the coolest parts of the weekend was yes. was their banter between songs. And, you know, when you're when you're like a kid or really whatever age and if there's whether it's, you know, an actor, an actress, an athlete, musician that you look up to and like, you want them to be what you think they're going to be like. And mm-hmm. after the experience meeting Carter, but mostly how they talk to each other during the show you would think that this was, you know, they were a new band. And I don't know if it was just because, you know, the Gorge is, that's like a premier weekend for them. So they get up for it like an athlete would for a right. playoff game. But their enthusiasm and the way that they talk to each other, just, it was, it was like contagious. I don't know. That's the, <laughs> that's the word I keep using. Like if someone crushed a song, Dave was kind of like the captain where he would, compliment and pump up that band member and call them out for what a great job they did that's that's really interesting um a lot of times back in the day it would be carter that did that so you're saying dave did a lot of that now it was it was dave and carter it was dave and that's carter awesome. you know it, so awesome. and and almost i would say like i don't know 90 percent of the banter i would say like 95 percent of the banter maybe involved either dave or carter talking to someone else and i would say probably like 
75% of the banter in general was between Dave and Carter. Um, yeah. And, and it's, clear, awesome. it's clear that their friendship is, you know, they're the original band members, and, and I'm sure they're all friends, and you guys probably know more about this than, than I do, but just even if you didn't know, you could tell, okay, those two are very close friends. Oh, yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, and I forgot which song it was, but Carter crushed it, and Dave turned to him after and said, Carter, you're a reptile. We're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you're, you're a reptile. Um, to close out night two, it was uh, Shake Me Like a Monkey into Ants Marching, and Dave turns to turns to Carter and says, if I make this face at you, and it was like the disgusted, surprised... Seinfeld face. That's bad radio right there, but that's the best I can explain it. <laughs> if I make that face, that means we're going straight into ants. And Carter laughs, and Dave goes, you know, if you remember how to. And the whole band starts laughing, like, yeah, you know, I, I think we've done this once or twice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, and thank God he made the disgusted face, because no one wants to close with Shake Me, ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After Can't Stop, Dave said, man, that, that was the best we've ever played it. <laughs> I would say wow. their their energy during Sledgehammer was that was actually probably the highlight of night two. I would say that's incredible. Wow they they got they got up for Sledgehammer. So does the crowd. Interesting. Yeah, the the crowd was that was probably the highest energy point. Um, but kind of just talking about like the set list and the experience we had. Obviously, it's cool to go to a show and hear, you know, hear the songs that you don't normally hear. But for us, having this experience, it kind of reminded us about so many of the hits because we're having such a different experience. So, for instance, we've all heard Ants Marching so many times, but hearing Ants Marching from that angle and how excited they got that they were going to be able to play, that they were playing Ants Marching, I would say even that was one of the highlights of of both shows like it the, the hearing the hits from that side of the stage and that experience was i would say cooler than hearing the songs i hadn't heard in forever or hadn't heard at all oh i guarantee you and i can only imagine yeah. like this has to be such a unique experience to sit there or stand there on the side of the stage and get to see all of these other inner workings of the band that you know you either don't really notice or you have no opportunity to notice up close and personal. You're hearing them talk about it. And if you see somebody get excited about something just by nature, you're almost going to get more excited about it. It doesn't matter if it's the worst song in their catalog. If you see them get so excited or pumped up about something and think that they nailed it, you're like, yeah, well, damn right. Did like, that was great. Yeah. That's just, that's incredible, dude. I think one of the coolest takeaways is that, like you said earlier, that, it seemed like it was like their first tour together that they were like, they've been a band for like what, 28 years now. And yeah, yeah. They're still having that much fun. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. And as a fan base, we are lucky, uh, that they're still that way with each other. Yeah. Yeah. You could really, you could really feel their chemistry. I, I think that's the best way to put it, that it's not, I mean, obviously it's a show, but uh. their chemistry isn't isn't a show at all. And we, I don't know what it's like behind the scenes, but 
I, I would say I was definitely semi behind the scenes for one weekend and you could, you could feel, you could definitely feel it. Um, I would say that I had just a couple other show takeaways. Um, let's hear him. Carter is a very active drummer as we all know. And just from, you know, talking to him and his fiance and seeing him during the show, seeing him during some of the slow songs where he's off the stage, it is, it is hard to do what he does for two and a half hours that many times a year. And he, he does a lot of stretching and, and like massaging and, you know, the cramping and everything. And it, it kind of gave a different appreciation. Like, Hey, you know, one day these guys aren't going to be on tour and it's going to suck, but like they go through so much to put on a heck of a show so mm. many nights a year. So I, I think that, and you know, you, you see like how much he's, Carter was grimacing during the slow songs when he's stretching out and stuff. And then he starts playing and he has the biggest smile in the world, <laughs> you know? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been, you, you know, know, it's been known. I don't know if it's widely known, but it's been known that he's been in pain here for years. Um, yeah. and it's rumored and it's sort of true that some of the jams from songs have been cut out because of, you know, limiting the load on Carter a little bit. Alex, you were doing such an incredible job of explaining all this to everybody and telling us what you saw because, I mean, there's no better way to see it than right freaking there. On the stage. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, and you know, as I talk, I just keep, you know, reminding myself of some other small things. For some songs, and, and I'm, you know, it's such a whirlwind of a week and I'm, tra- I'm having trouble remembering which songs, but some were huge songs, some were not as big. One of them, usually Dave would say in playback, you know, with his mic, not the mic out to the crowd, would say, tease me, tease me, which meant give me the first two seconds of the song so that the whole band could remember how the song starts. Because once they start, you know, it's like riding a bike, but they forget the first note. (laughs) Oh, so who would do that? Who would play a note? Uh, it would it would usually no no one would play it well i i guess the sound guy would play like two seconds of the song just you know the studio recording it would it would usually i believe be carter i i want to say it was normally carter asking since he's obviously starting every song sometimes dave but probably like you know three or four times saturday and another three or four on sunday I, I, we oh, thought that wow. was super interesting. Did you get to hear that music coming through, or is that only in their headphones? So you did actually hear studio version of the song being played to remind them? Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, that <laughs> is unbelievable. Like, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. Ever. And, and I just thought that was so funny because, and if I said sing a song, sing X song, you would have to you know think in your head and go back to the first line of the song and retrieving the first line of the song would be tough for some songs more than others and it made sense but the first time they did that i was cracking up like you like these guys are masters of of their craft and and you know it was unexpected but the more i thought about it the more it made sense wow do you remember one specific song from that at all uh let me think down the set list here i want to say I want to say maybe again and again. Okay. Interesting. That is one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. You're like our personal 
DMB Indiana Jones, like making discoveries yeah. <laughs> about the band that no one has ever heard of, and my yes. mind is blown right now. Holy Grail! <laughs> wow. Well, well, keep your mind together here, Nolan, because we've got an entire two shows to go over with Alex, by the way, right here, and we're going to play some music. Alex, I interrupted you. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, and then I guess really just then to wrap up Saturday in terms of the story besides for like the set list and everything, you know, they go off stage and they're super focused. They go in for the encore. They went not just like off the stage, but like, like off, off the stage. I don't know if they went into their bus or, or, but they went off, off. They come back on, do the encore. They're all walking off the stage and, you know, all like pretty head down. Like, let's just, you know, get off the stage in, I don't know, top five, like, coolest moments in my whole entire life. <laughs> not not joking. Uh, Carter sees us. I, I would say sees me, but, you know, my girlfriend's sitting here. So I'll say sees us. And Oh, oh he saw oh, her. Oh, yeah. Wow, he definitely course. saw her. Of course. But, and, like, yells, goes, you guys made it. And, like, <laughs> freaks out. Because initially we were supposed to only go to night three. And I guess his fiance hadn't filled him in that, you know, we obviously were going to change our plans. But, like, freaks out. You guys made it. Thank you guys so much for coming. Everyone's walking one way. He makes, like, a banana turn. <laughs> comes over to us. Gives us huge hugs. Goes, oh, you know, sorry I'm so sweaty. Like, thank you guys so much for coming. You know, it was a crazy show. Like, you know, wh- what the heck do you say? Like, Can I get a drumstick? Of course. Like... <laughs> Like, how am I, how are we going to miss that? So, you know, him being so appreciative that we would go to, you know, take him up on that experience and come see them play. There was something so ironic about that and so perfect about it and made for just such an awesome experience. That is so cool. Dude, he's the greatest drummer of all time. And he came up and hugged you after a show. And the great, like the greatest person of all time. Yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, we like we were joking, like he was walking off the stage and all we wanted to do is be like, thank you so much. And what a great show. And he he came up to us and said pretty much that same exact thing. He's Neil Peart, Michael Jordan and the Dalai Lama all mixed into one. But better. What an incredible human being. Yeah, but better. Carter Beaufort. Alex, stick around because we're about to talk about this entire show and feel free to interject anytime you want of something that you remember um, from some of the highlights that we gleaned from the couch and from people that were there uh, telling us about it. Um, Nolan, start the show off. Bayou opener. Go. Wow. Bayou opener. That's, uh, That's all there is to say about that. Uh, energetic way to get things going. <laughs> and then uh, we mentioned it before about Utah, but then you have uh, so much to say. Anyone seen the bridge too much? Solid. And then a personal favorite, you never know. And mm, this is a, I think, a top 10 DMB song of all time and one of my favorites. And Alex, I want to get your feedback. What was it like seeing You Never Know at the Gorge? So, on the one hand, it was amazing, but on the other hand, 
you're forgetting this was the fifth song of the night and at this point i was still blackout from what was transpiring so i honestly can't tell like i do not remember <laughs> anything that happened for the first i don't know 20 minutes of the show <laughs> i was point. just taking everything in like i i really do not remember <laughs> any specific moments for the first you know 15 minutes so we'll move on from that i'm not joking i it was that was like you know when everything hit like are we actually doing this? Moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's completely understandable. But as you never know, so you should know, and you should be paying attention. I'm very, very disappointed. So we'll get back to you in a minute. <laughs> they could have been singing the alphabet, and I wouldn't have realized. Yeah. So since Alex did not seem to remember, you never know. We're gonna slap him in the face with a little bit of it right now, so that he will remember some of it. And that's of course the Jeff solo and. There is never a You Never Know that has a sax solo that's bad, so we're just going to play a little bit of it. So here you go. Jeff nailed that one, and it's a good thing because that was the first time you never know was played at the Gorge since 2012. So, it, oh. uh, well, seven year break there. That's sad, but that version was not. And uh, the next highlight we have a little fish tender, Bruce. We always love seeing this. Oh, we always love any sort of fish tenders, and I can't believe that it had been. I mean, maybe a couple months since we had seen this on tour. What the hell are they thinking about with that? But uh, the end of Bartender these days is absolutely absurd, and that's what we've chosen to play. I mean, we listened to the whole thing, and it's a great version, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dave, a great build to a nice Dave yell. But here at the very end, yet again, Tim, Carter, some Fonz, Buddy, they... The end of Bartender has become one of my favorite DMB moments. And um, we're going to leave you here with another one yet again. Mm-hmm. 
Ooh, funky. That was awesome. And so was this next highlight of the show, which was Warren Haynes joining the band for Cortez the Killer. Nolan and I actually saw the last Cortez of this tour, which was with Susan Tedeschi back on uh, May 1st in Jacksonville. Yeah, we did. But I tend to believe this one may have been a little bit more extended and a little more polished as Warren seems to play on this every time he guests. Um, <laughs> maybe they should, you know, I <laughs> I do like some Cortez, but I would also enjoy them playing, you know, throwing him in on some newer stuff or and not maybe not a newer song, but just something different, you know? Oh, you mean like number 41? Jeez, did you even pay attention to Night 3? Gosh. Ooh. Well, I mean, you know, we can go into that if you'd like, or we can, you know, throw them in on something even more exploratory. But Alex, you said that, you know, you talked to Warren a little bit. I'm not sure if that was after night two or night three, his performance. But, you know, were you side stage and you see him walk it? Did he walk right by you? Was he on the other side? Like, how did you find out that Warren Haynes was about to guest on stage? Well, you know, I had a feeling he was going to come out since Government Mule were the openers. So just, you know, it made too much sense, you know. So mm -hmm. I had a feeling it was going to happen. And I talked to him after night three, after 41. He, he came out from wherever he was to backstage, stood there for a song, and then moved to, like, back backstage. Like, you're about to go on um, one song before. So for I would say for about a song on nights two and night three, he was just standing, you know, within arm's reach. And I wasn't going to talk to him before. And then after night two, he kind of just left after Cortez. But night three, after 41, he hung around for a minute. And that's when I just quickly, you know, shook his hand and said how much of a fan and how awesome that just was, because it's not every day that you know, 41 with Warren Haynes, you know, get out of town. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I couldn't believe what you know, had just happened. So I would, there was no way I was going to let that moment go by without without meeting him for sure. Gosh, epic thing after epic thing for you this weekend. And I am so happy about it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And um, I think the fans will be happy after hearing some of this Warren Haynes destruction of Cortez the Killer, which is pretty commonplace, but you're going to hear it anyways.
and Cortez the Killer just go together like PB&J. It is a staple while guesting with the Dave Matthews Band. And then to end the set, we go Lover Lay Down and then Shake Me Like a Monkey into Ants Marching. Yes, they did do the segue, so I guess Alex Carter did remember how to do it. Yes, yes, he did. And I would say Ants was... I you know I would say Warehouse was great you know the whole the whole show was great Sledgehammer was great but Ants Marching you know I will never and I I'm someone who still loves hearing Ants Marching and because that's one of the first Dave songs I heard but of course same but, here but their energy and how excited they were playing Ants Marching which you could you could feel and you could see it that was mm-hmm. that just had a huge smile on my face because you know you want to you want to like it as much as they do and they were enjoying the heck out of it yeah if you're not enjoying ants marching in a dave matthews band concert you need to stop going yes i agree that's all i gotta say about that absolutely <laughs> yes. yes all right and then we go to the encore where we'll pig gray street action and i said it earlier about top 10 songs in the band's catalog but Pig is in there for me as well. Absolutely, um, me too. Yes, well, I'm glad you got three. to see Pig. I'm glad they played it, as they haven't played it a ton this summer, only five times. Oh, Yeah, that's a crime, uh, but, you know, it has a much different feel without Boyd, I will say that. It's a little, little strange um, with Buddy doing the keyboard substitute. What do y'all think about that? As much <laughs> as I love that song... I thought I would say that wasn't like a top, you know, three song of the night, but I just absolutely yeah. love Pig and was so happy that they played it. It was only, I'd only seen it a couple times live before. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with Nolan. I mean, I think that, you know, in order for that to have been a standout, probably for you, you would have needed a fiddle sound there, a violin sound. Um, yeah. And it just, it falls a little bit flat. I think, I'm not sure if I like the Buddy uh, keyboard violin or Rashawn on the muted trumpet trying to mimic the violin sound, but either one just doesn't quite work yet for me. But if you're only going to play it four or five times in a tour, you're not going to nail it enough and you're Mm -hmm. not going to figure it out. So in order for them to get better at it, they need to play it more. But they seem to be unwilling to do that. So (laughs) I guess that just falls flat on all fronts. I'd actually like to see Tim give it give it a try and see if he can mimic Boyd's part. Well, considering Alex's weekend, I think we could have Carter out there play the violin. He can do about anything. anything. I mean, <laughs> this guy is just incredible. Ugh, yes. And <laughs> this takes us into night three. So, Alex, just like we did with night two, what uh, what happened with night three? And like, just tell us about that process. Yeah, so, you know, we had lawn seats and we, you know, still went in with our lawn seats and we got to Will Call as we were told to. And same thing, two passes, two dinner tickets, and we didn't know what to expect until it happened. And sure enough, we were backstage again night three. And the same as night two, we were completely blindsided and and in awe and you know in terms of experiences that I di- that we didn't have night two 
I don't think there were any that happened night three. You know, besides besides for meeting Warren, which we did not do on night two, there wasn't anything. There there weren't any firsts that happened on night three. Wow, I mean, just already seasoned veterans when it comes to this game. <laughs> we're we're cracking up because thirty six hours, you know, thirty six hours before, we couldn't even believe what was about to happen. By the end of night three, you know, we're saying hi to people and we're like, "What? What have you <laughs> turned into?" You're in the band now. Yeah, I was like, I'm quoting yeah, my. You're sending Christmas I'm cards. Band. Well, all this stuff is pretty funny, and you know, funny the way that things happen, and. You know, funny that I should say that. They start night three with funny the way it is, and Dave starts I'm the one that's supposed playing to be making the wrong dad jokes over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. But, um, yeah, a unique <laughs> opener. I don't know the last time that they opened with this song. It had to you know, have been a while ago, I would assume. Um, but Dave started the show on the uh, wrong fret, so that was a great way. Good job, Dave. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was actually the celebration of the 300th time that they've played Funny the Way It Is. Oh, that is 300 times since 2009. Yep. 10-year anniversary and uh, 300 times later, here we go. But, you know, it it was the lead single to an album, so, you know, that's not absurdly surprising. It does kind of seem like you see Funny every show or two. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I hear it a lot for sure, and it was, I think, kind of a surprising opener, and I think the crowd was just happy that, you know, they were on, and it was the opener. I'm not sure if the crowd would have gotten up for it as much as they did because it was the opener. Yeah, you're probably right, Um, and I'm sure the crowd kind of popped during, uh, well, I was watching a Periscope feed, and they popped during That Girl Is You. Girls were losing their minds. Um, they were literally saying that they were getting hot for Dave over that girl is you. So I mean, maybe calm, that's because that girl yourselves. is them, Bruce. <laughs> One of them said that that girl is me. Yes, it is me. I was like, wow, this is uh, this is intense. I may need to mute my headphones here for a minute. You know, the crowd probably would also pop for Lion Our Graves, which again, Dave messed up the intro. Um, he did. Let's let's hear how Dave misses this intro. I mean, what are you doing, Dave? You've been playing this song for like 30 years. Like, you can't mess it up. Dave's just getting um, old. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. And it actually kind of sounded cool. Yeah, because he was like palm muting and yeah, I mean, it's whatever. I kind of like when they mess up because they have to do things that they don't normally do. And instead of saying staying in the normal song structure, they have to venture off and do something different. I think it's kind of cool. And I just have to add in the, you know, solo instrumental part that really dominates the second half of the song. You know how we all go and we see that song and we just completely zone out for like 10, 15 minutes when oh, yeah. during, you, you know what part, yeah. the second half of the song. Oh yeah. That, hearing that part from the vantage point that we did, you know, I don't think we said a word to each other for like 10 minutes and we just like, it was, it was, that was one of the best moments of the weekend. The second half oh. of Lie in Our Graves was just like, you know, we'll never hear that song again the same way. I love that. Well, maybe you will. You never know. Um, that's 
that's a great you know it's great optimism but you know now that you're best friends with carter you just don't know you might be in there when they're writing their next album that's uh, true <laughs> never say never who knows who knows her song might be called never say never it might just give you some yes. inside information if it is if it is a similar if moment is, we're, going our lo- we're going to buying a lottery ticket yes yeah. as you should yeah and and actually one of my favorite things was actually boyd's solos during lie in our graves and i think that oh, song yes. that song is just like screaming for a fiddle you know oh yes oh, it, it, now, it is it's you're screaming. just gonna make us sad yeah no so <laughs> I, I i i think that you know as much as buddy crushes it it, it does it does feel a little bit out of place it does and you know it is screaming for a violin and i would venture to say that it's screaming from the minarets for a violin and that was the Mm -hmm. next song played which is always welcome what an awesome placement for it as well keep the energy going and it continues with recently what a great run right here guys oh yeah and it doesn't stop there then you go proudest monkey tour debut what uh into so stay or leave yeah a beautiful segue that they actually did i cannot believe that this is the first time they played proudest monkey this year though i know it seemed like for the longest time i saw proudest monkey at every single show and it always went into satellite so i'm liking the uh the variation here of going into stay or leave and i'd be willing to bet that has not happened ever Rashawn does a nice solo here uh and it leaves open for the possibility, you know, as it fades out, for it to go into pretty much anything, honestly. And that is pretty cool that they went into Stay or Leave. And after Proudest Monkey, because I'm glad you reminded me there, mentioning Rashawn, Carter yelled over it at Rashawn and said, Rashawn, you're a bad man. And that, <laughs> that, that just cracked me up. They noticed it too, so that I like hearing that. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, in, in that case, then let's give Rashawn Ross some props here and let's play a little bit of his solo, which he used a slight wah effect, which almost is like this underwater sounding like wah wah sort of situation going on here. Let's play just a little bit of that because if Carter loves it, then everyone should love it. Sean Ross killing it uh, as the bad man on Proudest Monkey. And then you heard the transition 
into Stay or Leave. And then they followed up with Write a Song, which we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, man, that is a very strong run, solid first half of the show. Uh, and then you go, You Might Die Trying, Sam Cop, Lying in the Hands of God. Yeah, Samurai Cop. I think it's a good song, and I think it's so good that it made the push playlist. So, shout out to my wife. <laughs> yes. Listening to a little wait. bit of Samurai Cop in the labor room. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Five weeks away. Here we go. Oh, joy begin. Eye rolls commence. How dare you? Do not mention eye rolling about my child. <laughs> that was a great line by, by Alec. <laughs> Sheesh. All right, moving on. Yeah, moving on. We get a guest here in this, um, a guest that's not Warren Haynes here on She, and it's Joe uh, Fotheringham. And the only other time I believe that he has guested is also on She, also on Night 3, also at the Gorge last year. It's because that Rashawn Ross said last year, or said on Come Tomorrow, that she needed more horns. Um and so he brought in this young man. I believe Joe is very young. I'm not sure exactly, but I believe he's still a teenager. He, uh, I don't know how old he is, but he looked extremely young. I would say like, yeah, like maybe 16 or 17. Right. I, what? I don't know. Like maybe he looks young. So if he's older than that, I'm sorry. But may, he could have been, you know, seriously like a junior in high school. And I would no, be surprised. I believe you're exactly right. Oh, he's 18 now. 18? Yeah. Okay, so 18-year-old Joe Fotheringham, he was used on the album, which I'm not really sure why Rashawn suggested that there needed to be more horns on the album version of She, seeing as we can barely hear the horns on the album version of She. I don't know if that was maybe a uh, production issue, which I've complained about with Come Tomorrow, that they had nothing to do with, and we should hear more horns, because they're kind of actually interesting there. But I've got another gripe, and it's if you bring a guest, I don't care how old he is, on the stage, let them solo. Let them do something where the crowd actually knows that they're there, and let them show off a little bit. You know, maybe she isn't the right song. You can fit him in. You know, let I him was thinking the same exact thing, Bruce. Yeah, and let him go because, I mean, you know, obviously it's a great thing, but Okay, so you brought this kid all the way out to the gorge to play on stage with you for him to play the canned horn lines that you guys are playing. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just thought, think that that's just a little odd. Um, you know, let him have some space and show off his chops. Yeah, let him spread his wings and fly. Jeez. I will say I was <laughs> incredibly impressed with the amount of poise he had because I didn't know how old he was, but he looked really young. The dude was cool as a cucumber before going on, like – Look like his heart rate was at, I don't know, like 65. Like, maybe he was freaking out inside. I don't know. I would have been. I don't know what kind of career he has. But for his age to be as composed and poised as he was, I was impressed before he even got on stage. That's really awesome. That's pretty cool. I mean, maybe. cool. This is the insider info that you get on the Gray Street Podcast. Yeah, exactly. This is the only place that you will be getting this sort of candid information and it's also the only place that you will be hearing a little bit of raven which we're going to play for you here in a minute because the dave matthews band doesn't seem to want to play this song very much nolan and i got to see this the tour opener in pensacola but um i'm gonna let alex speak to this a little bit 
Do you remember this song? It's got that little buddy um, keys. It's a little bit, I'm not sure exactly the name for the effect that he's got going on, but it's a keys intro and it's a little bit slower, loungy sound to it. Do you remember the song and were you like real familiar with it when they played it? Because it is pretty rare. Yeah, I was. I really like that song. And I think that, like, in my mind, like, every song, just the experience you had, I was hyped about every song. But they really, really crushed Raven. And I think, I'm going to be honest, I I had the set list. And I knew, I saw Warren Haynes, and I saw 41 was coming oh. up. And my attention was completely on 41. So I was pumped about Raven, but I was more excited about what was about to happen but they I, i'm gonna let you guys talk about raven more i really like that song and they crushed it but i would be curious to know your your guys thoughts on that well first we're just gonna let this play in the background but i gotta know who gave you the set list Ooh, and to piggyback off of that not only that but what was the show experience like having that in your hand did you have it the entire show what is it like having that as opposed to not knowing what's coming on. <laughs> um, so we got, we, we had a picture of the set list for night two. We didn't have the physical copy. Um, and we got that probably midway through the show, which was awesome because I thought the second half of night two and the encore, they, they really you know brought down the house. So knowing that was coming was obviously awesome. And then night three was Carter's, fiance gave us a set list and i guess this would be a good time to point out just what an absolute godsend she was for us this weekend and you know carter was the one who offered everything this weekend but his fiance went completely out of her way to set up an incredible weekend for us a priceless weekend for us that was an absolute dream and like she was incredible so just props to her for and you know who knows if it'll ever happen again and if not you know, thank you to her because she absolutely crushed it for us this weekend. So moving on, she gave us a set list and it was, I, I tried not to look at it so I could have some element of surprise, but it was, <laughs> it was hard not to. Yeah, I can imagine. That's pretty awesome. And yeah, huge props to her. Yeah, just completely out of her way. Shout out to Carter's fiance for the exclusive access well that's i mean all of that is so incredible and so is this next song which is 41 as before you know before mentioned with warren haynes and i kind of thought that warren would come out on smooth rider for night three or something of that effect um you know i knew it wouldn't be cortez again if he came out so i just why would you even say that bruce because i seem to think the worst i guess and it had been played a couple shows before and it was night three it hadn't been played it just seemed set up for it but alas we get nope one of the best dmb songs there is in number 41 and a solid solo by mr warren haynes I don't know if this is a hot take or not, depending on maybe Alex will remember, but I seem to think that the outro portion when they started locking up, um, you know, it's like a Tim Carter and Warren show here at the end. And, you know, with the horns playing their part, but I almost thought that was better than his solo. 
I mean, for me, this was a highlight of the night. And one kind of, if there was one unfortunate thing that happened, talk about like first world problems here. The headphones died in the middle of 41. Oh. And, I, and, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt and, you know, get, get a new battery pack so I could, so I could listen. So in terms of the solos, I had trouble hearing the solos. I heard obviously like, you know, the first half of the song, the singing portion, if you will. But the solos, we really couldn't hear that much because the headphones, <laughs> the headphone pack died and I had to wait till where are you going for, you know, to get the headphones back on. So oh. the, the solos looked great and I could kind of hear, but I couldn't hear all the notes completely. Oh, your luck ran out. Oh, <laughs> oh poor me. The milk's gone bad, Murphy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, well. I'll jump in here then and say, Bruce, not a hot take at all. The outro is incredible. And I love how it seems like the song is about to die out and they're about to wrap it up. And Jeff and Rashawn are playing their little horn lines. And then Warren, it seems like, just decides like, "Eh, I'm just going to see what I can do here and starts (laughs) matching them. And then... I, I was just picturing it in my head while I was listening to it, and then like Carter's just like, "Oh, I think we can do something here." And then well, you the can two of them hear just him. start going back and I'm, forth, and yes, it the the build up that DMB has such a crazy ability to like turn a huge powerful jam out of like nothing. Like the song's about to finish and then they're like no we're just gonna turn this up like a thousand notches yes they don't do it as much anymore but yes yeah absolutely when they were all going back and forth it didn't matter how much you could hear you could you could feel the energy of the stage but also just the crowd and and you could there was like a sense of urgency almost and i completely agree nolan like they just can they, they can turn it up five notches from nothing within you know 30 seconds it's crazy yeah and we talked about this a little bit more with night one with the two-step i mean the way that Mm. built that built up this did the same thing you can actually hear on the recording thanks to zach money or monet i'm not sure how to say your name bud but um thanks again you can hear carter being like yeah yeah as warren starts playing this thing and then after that it was over i mean that after that they just went off and they went off into the space that we're about to play for you right now and i mean you're right there aren't too many bands that can do this on command to where it's just like you know what normally we do this but you know what F it, we're doing this shit because we have Warren Haynes on the stage with us tonight, and he's taking us to a journey that uh, we haven't quite gone on, so let's do this.
I'm so glad they uh, brought Warren out for 41. That sounded terrific. And uh, they finish the Gorge weekend going, where are you going? And then Jimmy thing, classic, late set Jimmy. (laughs) And then stay closer. And then you get your one song all along the watchtower closer to end gorge weekend so (laughs) bruce not a fan um but alex what are your biggest takeaways from your first gorge experience and uh, anything else you want to add about this just absolutely epic weekend well so in terms of the gorge you know on the one hand, everyone needs to go there because it's the most unique venue I've ever been to and I think we'll ever go to where you are driving for, it doesn't even matter which direction you come from, you're driving for at least two hours in the desert and you are in really the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden you look out and you get to the actual venue and it's like they plop the stage in the middle of nowhere and it's just, you walk out there and it's just the most serene beautiful view and and really if you haven't gone there it it was my first time and i would say everyone should try to make a trip out there whether it's for dave or someone else i'm very glad i went i think in a funny kind of way i didn't get to actually have a real like gorge experience because you know we were planning on sitting in the lawn and that's you know everyone says you sit in the lawn and you see the sun sunset over the stage while the band's playing and um, I think that's like the number one you, thing you hear from people. I didn't get to have that kind of gorge experience, needless to say. But um, it was. We feel bad for you. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it was a you know huge bummer. <laughs> huge bummer. Um, but you know, I, I guess my biggest takeaway from this kind of crazy story was, and, and it's really how I started it, was that it was so awesome that the band was they were like how i thought they were going to be like and how i always picture them to act and want them to act and you know carter and his fiance didn't have to do what they did and besides for the music we all are endeared to the band and it was it was just so great that they that they would do something like that and of course it was a a dream that it happened to us so just extremely fortunate, and it still kind of feels like a dream for sure. There aren't many words that can describe that experience. And what the best thing about it for me is that your takeaways are those that are, you know, related to how great that the band is, you know, as people, as they are a nearly 30 year old band and they're still treating random fans in a Nike store like their best friends and giving them the VIP treatment just out of the kindness of their hearts. And we are so, so happy that this happened for you and your girlfriend. I mean, that is an incredible experience. Obviously, we're extremely jealous, and (laughs) I'm extremely pissed off because Nolan and his family decided to ruin the Gorge experience for us this year and make us not be able to go, and we probably would have been able to partake in all of this stuff. Uh, Anyway, anyways, you know, that's neither here nor there. Just just talking here. But, uh, I mean, that's so, it's, yeah, exactly, semantics. That's so awesome, dude. And when Nolan called me and told me about this, I just was shocked, elated, excited, p- 
pissed, jealous. I was everything. I was just like, no, what? No, no way. And then (laughs) finally, Nolan failed. Nolan had one job, and that was to overnight you his own personal copy of the Gray Street Podcast t-shirt that um, everyone is clamoring for so that you could wear it out there at the gorge and he he just he didn't do it i don't know what you know mine's a little too small i'm not i'm not as big and jacked as you guys are um but uh <laughs> oh yeah wow. but you know well, you know no my my campsite my campsite mailbox was open i was waiting for it <laughs> um you know you didn't come through but you know hopefully mm. it happens next time and i'll have to rock the merch <sighs> Yeah, I hear there's a FedEx UPS store within like 45 miles of the gorge, so you probably could have gotten there. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn the tables on you, and I got to note, were you able to tell either Carter or his fiance or anyone about the podcast? <laughs> you know, after the Nike store, I, you know, I didn't have expectations, but my interactions with the band were pretty much just being backstage. I got to see Carter for and talk to him for about, uh, I don't know, 90 seconds after, after night one. And I'm sorry to say that did not make the, the cut in the 90 seconds I had with Carter. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, I didn't get to see him after night two. So, which was a bummer because I guess, you know, the band after they're done in the city, they just booked it booked it out of there it was crazy yeah, we out yeah no it was crazy like the people for the stage were starting to come onto the stage and break it down during the encore so we actually missed the encore of night of night three um because they were they're in that rush that kind of rush to get out of there so no i was not able to but you know if, if this friendship stays alive and you know i everything's open <laughs> oh, well, that would be amazing because that's a good. Would be... That's a good save there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, <laughs> Nolan, I I will say I went into, you know, when I first approached Carter, I was kind of talking in the same tone, and I was obviously very psyched inside, but I would say I was pretty chill. And then after it all went down, <laughs> I was I was freaking out, and I actually within thirty seconds I didn't even know what to do, and I picked up the phone and I called Nolan to tell him. And yes. I, I would be very curious to hear if you could do an impression of what I sounded like on the phone 30 <laughs> seconds. Yes, please. 30 oh seconds after because I was in an absolute frenzy. And literally the only thing I was like, I, I, I got to call Nolan. I got to call Nolan. Oh, my gosh. I think it went something like, dude, oh, my God. I, I You're not even going to believe this. I, I, I just got to – oh, we can't like – even understand what just happened. I was like, "Oh my god, what? What? <laughs> Are you okay?" I was like, "Is everything all right, dude? We just met Carter Beaufort in the Nike store." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh god, what in the world?" <laughs> and and I could I couldn't have been more you know even keeled before and during just very chill. And then after it happened, he said, "Hey, you're with us this weekend." I uh, that the the frenzy started for sure, and and the uh, only thing I could do was was call Nolan and and try to explain what the heck just happened. Well, I appreciate getting that first call, and we appreciate you coming on the podcast and sending us photos and videos from uh, from backstage. That was incredible, and I gotta say, your uh, discovery that 
the band will ask for song teases so they can remember them before playing them is incredible. Like, yep. that, that seriously blows me away. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. Hey, no problem, Gus. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, dude. And yeah, let's not let that get lost in all of the other awesomeness because that might be the biggest breaking news story that we have this week on the Gray Street Pod. But Alex, dude, thanks for joining us. We are so glad that you got to be able to do this and that you were so willing to share it with us. Thanks for joining us, dude. This has been incredible. I really hope the fans appreciate this as much as we have because this is something that not many of us ever will ever get to do listening not listening whatever not too many dmb fans get to have the experience that you did so hopefully you know it'd be great for you to have it again but hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we're enjoying you know being able to hear about it i appreciate it i appreciate it thank you guys for having me on i'm going to send you guys a couple videos that i took so you could post them on on your social media and i already posted i already i already posted uh a couple videos and pictures on mine uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll plug the grandma. I'm at it. Do it's, it. It's at Alex Day D A Y seven, and I posted yeah. a couple pictures and a couple videos. Um, we got a couple couple classic ones of Dave dancing. So I would say uh, I would say it was an overall pretty epic weekend. And thank you guys for letting me share it. Of course, dude. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, get you on the podcast uh, down the road. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Well, that was incredible. And, um, you know, we heard a ton from Alex there. So let's hear from one other fan that actually got to experience the gorge. And that's Michael DePonio yet again. And y'all know him as Mr. 400. Now he's Mr. 400 and probably 50 by now. I'm not sure. But he sent us an audio review. Thank you, Michael. And let's hear what you had to say about the gorge weekend. Hey, Bruce and Nolan. It's Michael DePonio coming to you from the gorge. After night three, I thought I would just give a quick review of all three nights. Highlights for me were Drunken Soldier, glad to see it back. Boyd was missed a little on it, but I'd rather hear it than not hear it. I also thought Raven was great. I love the bluesy take on it with Buddy on the organ, who's played that way last year, but it, I love that song. It's nice to see it back a little bit. Um, I thought that they would play Jimmy Thing the first night and have the horns from Lettuce uh, kind of come in with them, but... Uh, it was nice to see it with all the cover mashups that they do. Um, also, obviously, Warren Haynes on Cortez and number 41 just killed it. Uh, he seemed like he had a little bit of monitor problems uh, during 41, but he still was phenomenal. It was such a great version, one of the best I've ever seen. I also liked She. Um, I like the way this year it's kind of got a Tim solo um, in after the first part of the song, and besides the organ solo with Buddy at the end, uh, I thought I thought I, I liked that song. I thought it was really good, um, and uh, I, I will say I this weekend I noticed Stefan uh, a little bit more than I normally do this tour. Actually, I think he's been really great. Uh, I think he gets a little overlooked. So uh, his playing, just I, I really heard it distinctly this weekend. I thought it was great. You guys got to come out here. It's such a great weekend. One of these years. All right, we always appreciate uh, Michael DePonio checking in. Great stuff, my man. So. To wrap up uh, the Gorge weekend, we have a few Gorge stats for you. This weekend, the band played 62 different songs um, in no repeats, which is pretty incredible. And I know Jeff and Rashawn were super proud of that as they uh, posted graphics about that on their 
on their uh, Instagram pages. Yeah, a graphic made by uh, DMB Society, their own Instagram. Um, yeah, they, he does quality they do, follow. They yeah, they are they do a lot of great graphics and stuff. Um, so good job on Jeff and Rashawn, I guess, for finding those. Yes, and although there were no repeats this weekend, there were two repeats from last year, actually. Um, we saw the same night two and night three closers with Gray Street closing night two and Watchtower closing night three. So hmm. that is uh, kind of interesting. And we tallied up some songs for you, um, some songs that have been played this summer that did not make the cut for the gorge. So here we go. Oh. JTR, Virginia in the Rain, Stone, Spoon, Joyride, Sugar Will, Halloween, Idea of You, Some Devil, Say Goodbye, Smooth Rider, Typical Situation, <laughs> and wait for it, stand up, parentheses, for it. Um, <laughs> close parentheses. Close parentheses. Oh. Yeah. Those did not make the cut over the uh, three-day weekend, so... Um, Surprises some of those. I am too, especially... I always feel like Stone should be played... Well, obviously at every show, um, but Joyride and Sugar Will were like, especially Sugar Will was super heavy in the rotation. Yeah. It seemed like it was being played every show, so very surprised by that. It is weird how they get into, you know, some of those grooves every now and then that they just play a certain song, you know, five out of six shows or something like that, and then all of a sudden it's it's gone. It's like a venue span all the songs for the summer over three nights and it still like doesn't get played but you know they they still got some others that hadn't been played for a long time that we probably didn't expect so that's always going to be the case sometimes i wish that they would substitute these songs for some of the ones that they play every single time so you know it's just the way that it is but what can you do and as they moved out of the gorge, they moved up to Ridgefield, Washington, to where they're playing a show currently right now. And um, Nolan, as I look at the set list, there's nothing really I think we need to talk about. So <laughs> I think we can, no, we're good. Um, you know, maybe maybe later on in the set there will be something that pops up. I don't know. But I think we can uh, move on to some of the more miscellaneous items before we get on out of here. Looking forward, uh, we have some upcoming shows this weekend. On Friday, the band heads to Lake Tahoe for a for a show at in State Line, Nevada. Ooh, the mistake by the Malake. They hit up Sacramento on Saturday. Bruce, we uh, we kind of had to call an audible here. Um, no real DMB history segment this week. Yeah, we had this entire show planned, and it was September first. 1992. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Southfield, Virginia, we welcome the Dave Matthews Band. And we had to call an audible because, well, we had something way cooler to talk about. And thanks to Alex for bringing that to our attention. But this show from uh, Tracks up in Charlottesville, you know, it had the song debut of Pay for What You Get. And it's just Dave, I believe. And you know what? We're going to throw you guys a bone here. You're going to hear the very first ever pay for what you get. Nolan, why don't you hit everybody with our social media plugs? Yeah, you've heard it uh, a million times before already, but here you go. Uh, you can follow us on social media on our Twitter and Instagram. We are at Gray Street Pod. We have a Facebook page, uh, the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. 
and be sure to download and subscribe our podcast wherever you get your podcast from and uh go ahead and rate review five stars if you please and you know this is our 13th full episode we have surpassed 11,000 downloads and could not be more appreciative of everyone uh, who listens to us and we love it so thank you absolutely thank you thank you thank you and thank you to everybody who reached out to us tagged us and stuff from the gorge um you know we got plenty of messages things that people enjoyed from the weekend we got emails uh instagram messages comments we love it keep that up everybody and like nolan said if you enjoy the episode drop a five-star review on the apple podcast that is you know incredibly helpful for us and we appreciate and love all of you and we can't wait to bring you episode 14 next week. Maybe we'll have uh, This Week in DMB History. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe one of our friends will find their way onto stage and actually sing a song with Dave next week. You never know what's going to happen with these guys. Thank you guys for listening yet again. Nolan, you're the man. I can't wait to spend my uh, bachelor weekend with you, by the way, um, which we're about yeah, to leave baby. for <laughs> here in a couple days. Um, that's going to be crazy. Maybe we'll uh, do some podcast recording from there. Um, you, you just never know what, uh, what these two will bring you. But thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next time on the corner of Gray Street. Hey, music fans, we wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fund run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. 
It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Enjoy.